Race matters. 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 I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long after us. It's a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories, and song, and we are privileged to be part of that storytelling today and every day at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present, We're broadcasting from Redfern right now, the birthplace of Black theatre in this country and a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. You're listening to Race Matters. This is a show made by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Sara Khan. I'm Darren Lasagas. Um, How are you, Sara? It's been a little while since we've been on air together, I feel. It has. It really it actually has. Um, I'm okay. I'm not going to lie. Your birthday kind of burnt me out. <laughs> After all that talk about me being like, oh, my birthday is such an anticlimax. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't deserve to celebrate. It ended up being quite nice, which I'm sure all the listeners are like, of course it was, you idiot. Like, Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a really lovely night, but it was also like a night at the back end of me having a hectic social calendar since the start of March I think yeah also included two weddings and then so when your 30th came around obviously I was like excited all in all of it but then the days after I was like I'm dead inside (laughs) like I am really that social battery is doesn't function how it used to absolutely not Um, so yeah I've been good but I've just been like yeah, I, th- I guess since your B-Day, I've been sleeping a lot, which yeah. has been amazing. I forget how important sleep is. I mean, one of the best things you could do is mm. sleep, I feel. I've been, um, I've been propelled by the, um, the memory that's now ingrained in my um, mind of dancing on the, on the dance floor with you and my mum to like classic R&B yeah. and like some bad R&B, but mostly classic R&B. She loves a dance, Maria. I love to get on it. That I, I'm a, oh God, I am obsessed with your parents. But <laughs> Maria on the day floor was just like, oh, I could, I can go home after this. Like I'm, you know, you're just like the whole night has just been made. Yeah, it's, it was all about her. Yeah, I mean, she, she did, really she came. With me. She, she really was came. Like, she really came with main character energy at your thirtieth. <laughs> she really, oh, hundred percent. She was like literally the reason why you're all here is because of me. Yep. Yep. I, I, which I love. I love. I mean, she birthed you. She should. It's true. <laughs> uh, today on the show, we are going to hear from multi-instrumentalist Takia Reed. She's one half of doom metal band Divide and Dissolve. If you're a regular listener of FBI Radio, you'd be well familiar with their music. We've been playing their stuff for years. They're playing at Vivid Festival next weekend. Um, and later on, we'll share the details of that. Divide and Dissolve, they've held a, um, a politic of destroying and dismantling the colonial state for a long time. They create sounds that reverberate with this power and spirit. Sarah, you sat down with Takia earlier this week to speak to this. How was it? Oh, it was 
such a beautiful combo. I really had to um, slow myself down. I, I love speaking with artists as well. Um, all of the beautiful people that we get on the show, but particularly when I, we get to interview certain people that really just like make us, make us slow right down and send, be centered. And that's the vibe that I got from Takiya. And what I love is just how deep their connection is as artists and as friends and how that connection flows into the depths of their creative output and radical politics. And Takiya shared so much um, attentiveness and deep care. So it's really exciting to share that conversation with you all today. Here they are now. I'm here with Takia Reed. She's one half of instrumental doom metal band Divide and Dissolve and alongside Sylvie Nihal creates sounds to decolonize, dismantle and destroy white supremacy. We all love that. Classically influenced with jarring contemporary sounds, as you heard just now, their music holds so much power as they use sounds to carry the fight of their ancestors. Takia is joining me ahead of their performance at Vivid Festival next weekend. Takia, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Thanks for having me. You're in New Orleans right now, which I, I was looking at flights to New Orleans just a couple of nights ago. Cool. <laughs> um, so I'm very envious. Um, but what has it been like uh, to be traveling at the moment and sharing your music with so many different audiences again? It feels awesome to be on tour again and it feels really normal, I guess, because that's what we were doing before all of the COVID stuff hit. So I feel really grateful to be able to play music with Sylvie and yeah, playing music is, is an incredible feeling and I love it. It feels great. I'm a little sleepy though. <laughs> It, it is a bit jarring, but yeah, I feel eternally grateful to be able to just rest in this. Yeah, that's so that's so lovely to hear. Um, your music is also profoundly grounded in an ethos of sovereignty, resistance, reparations, and spirit. Do you feel influenced by all these different geographical contexts when shaping music and conversation for each performance? Definitely. The, the land has so much energy and we try really hard to honor that and honor our ancestors and like the water and everything around us. So I'm just, I do just really feel super grateful and super humbled constantly. So how do you um, remain conscious of your own position when traveling across different colonial borders? That's a great question. I'm always super grateful to be a guest and I feel super cognizant of that. And I try my, my best to be respectful and nobody's perfect, but I do try really hard to connect with like local people and just treat everybody's place how I like to treat the place where I'm from. So yeah, I don't know. I, there's like not one particular answer and everywhere's so different. And 
I just want to, I strive to be respectful, as respectful as possible. And that just looks and feels like so many different ways. And I just feel super open to learning and that's, <laughs> yeah, I want to continue to try my best. Yeah. Do you feel like a, a new shift or movement when you exit um, a new, a, a space that you've not um, traveled across before? Always, everything's always changing. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just feel like super open to people and I just want to like come from a place of love and openness. So that's, that's what our music is rooted in. I mean, you also, with your music, actively hold spaces to talk about things like white supremacy and settler colonialism through your music and other public platforms. How do you find a balance or find the balance of creating kind and open spaces whilst remaining staunch in your own politics? Love is giving the land back to Indigenous people and getting reparations for all the like trauma of slavery and racism and white supremacy like that is a huge affirmation of it and it's very important for all of us to get our land back (laughs) and for our bodies to like not have this like assumed entitlement it's so intense for uh, people of color to like walk into a space and then all of a sudden someone feels entitled to their body because of the color of their skin. And that feeling is just like, you either know it or you don't. And when you know it, it, it's this like tremendous feeling. And one day people won't have to feel that feeling. And that is, that just brings me so much joy and hope, so. Yeah, that's a really beautiful way to describe exactly that feeling and but also that hope for generations to come that they won't have to experience that jarring um sense of disruption of themselves and of their bodies on their land yeah that's something great to like dream about and it's always in my like prayers No, I I love that. I think it's something to always keep in mind as well, because like, you know, in this in this movement, we all we, you know, we have to also uh, actively remind ourselves of like what we hope for and the, you know, and of that, like you said, that that dreaming for the future. Your music is also so it's mostly instrumental um, with the exception of spoken word artists as well. But is there a sense of expansiveness that you get outside of the confines of language? I think it allows us to go deeper. Mm. It's weird when our recent album Gaslit came out, everyone knew what it was about. Mm. Like I didn't have to say anything. And all the reviews I read, I was like, okay. Cool. I didn't say that out loud, but I was thinking that. And there were were things that I wrote down, like private, personal things that I wrote down about the album. And they were reflected in all the reviews. And it was like 
all different types of people writing about it and understanding it. And I do deeply believe in the ability to communicate, but it seems as if everything could be interpreted as a language and we're communicating in one and then it's being translated into another. Everything's just being like recycled and composted all the time. And after that process has happened so many times, then there's some type of understanding and sometimes it feels harmonious and aligned and sometimes it doesn't. And I feel as if when people connect to our music, there is some type of understanding. And I feel so grateful for that every single time. That's, um, yeah, I, I'm so happy that the reviews reflected exactly what you were feeling in your creative process. There's such a beautiful affirmation that comes from that and it's really unexpected as a creative. Um, Cause you know, I feel like when you're creating like there's a space that you go in and out of, of like, you know, being so immersed in what you're making, but then also wanting it to resonate and you want it, you want people to think or feel what you're intending, but you can never really properly know and you just have to trust it once it's out there. Um, so to have that reciprocated back, it must, it must just like fill you up so much. It feels incredible. Mm-hmm. I, I feel so grateful and enamored and confused and like so it's a wealth of emotions yeah 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 big yeah <laughs> yeah that would be, be a lot it, it would yeah it's a lot of emotions and sometimes I could imagine would be a little bit overwhelming yeah mm. that's a great adjective <laughs> but also I I want to welcome that feeling yeah I don't want to push it away, even in my discomfort. I want to come closer to it. Yeah. Your music is described as loud, powerful, noisy. I love that, which it totally is. Um, it's also, but I'm, cu- I'm curious to know how silence and deep listening are part of your creative practice too. I think it is deeply connected to it because Sylvia and I spend a lot of time sitting in silence with each other. And I think it's reflected in our music by how spacious it is. I'm not afraid of silence and I feel that a lot of people fear it because it it takes up so much space. But I really stare deeply at it. So I, it's deeply embraced in our art practice. Um, I've, that's a really beautiful way of describing that as well, of like staring at silence. I've never really thought of it like that. And it that's really quite directly linked into how your music presents too. Like there's also something quite meditative and intentional 
about what you do, which is what you just described. Like when I was listening um, to your music as well, like it, it, it is exactly that, like, yeah, it's that loud, powerful um, instrumental moments, but then it's also, yeah, it's quite meditative. It's, it's beautiful and quiet as well. And it's, um, it really, it's really, it took me through a lot of different levels and emotions too. I mean, why, why do you think it's so important to create such depths of sound? I don't know how to create in another way. It's just how my brain works. And it's how Sylvie's brain works and that's how our brains work together. It's um sometimes hard to come across like other artists that can read and feel exactly as you do creatively as well. So it's really nice to find a dynamic that is like so you're so aligned with one another. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the connection that you both share as artists, as we've kind of discussed, feels so potent between you. What role does this connection of friendship and love have in an anti-oppressive resistance? I'm so grateful for Sylvie. And I don't know how often people get to connect musically the way that we do. I could close my eyes and we can arrive at the same place. It's really wild. Like we can like speed up, slow down, stop. I can have my back turned to Sylvie and like my eyes close. Sometimes when we're playing, I just like test it out. I'm like, I'm like, we have everything to lose. I'm gonna just feel this thing that I know exists. And then I, I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. And I try to explain that to some people and they don't know what I'm talking about. And I just wanna continue to like appreciate Sylvie in all the ways that I can because I think sometimes it's easy to like take people for granted and I don't wanna do that. I wanna try really hard to like be an appreciation of her and our connection and like I'm so happy to have a friend like that it's <laughs> I realized I was like wow we spend so much time together it's hilarious so yeah but I I'm really grateful for her and grateful to like be around her her world and like her family and her friends and like her partner like all that stuff like it's so nice to like get to be able to connect in this way and just have appreciation for one another. I, I want to continue to practice that. It's um such a powerful force as well to know when you're in a, a dynamic or a friendship or a relationship that has those, that has that effect too. And, you know, I feel like a lot of us like whether it be for our own traumas or something like when you come across people that do fill you up with so much joy and love um you know a lot of us might go through detachment or not really sure how to care for it or nourish it 
And um, there's another step that it takes, right, to have like what you've been describing just now, which is this like self-awareness and this knowing of how how good it is and wanting to be constantly grateful of it. And when you have it and you know that it, there's a and you do that, like you've just been describing that nourishment, there's a there's a power in that. You both often speak about the strength of your different backgrounds as First Nations people. How do you foreground this and share this with a sense of safety and care in performance spaces that, you know, are often occupied by non-Indigenous peoples? We're really proud of where we come from, who we are, and our ancestors. And we need to share that with other people. And I, I love when others share with me too. I feel like deeply grateful. I was um, I was just producing a an album by my friend Black Belt Eagle Scout. Their name is Catherine Paul, and we were like on KP's homelands, and it was so wonderful to get to walk around and talk with KP every day, where KP grew up. We all just need to continue to share with one another. I feel like that's like, that's just the way it has to go. That's how we continue to survive and experience joy with one another, so. What for you is the meaning of ancestral strength? I want to remain open to not knowing what that is because I would like to learn so much more about that. I feel like I'm learning about that every moment of my existence. And I wanna just be like incessantly humbled by that. Because it, to me, it's a feeling, but it's also more than a feeling. It's like actions words it's just like deep connection and I don't know enough about it and I would love to learn more <laughs> so that's how I feel yeah well that's it how do we even know what we're going to know about ourselves even in another 10 years <laughs> yeah when I get old I think I'll be able to know more about that but I still won't know yeah, that's a very that's a very wise way of describing it. I love it. Um, so, our final question, and we ask this of all of our guests, and that is Takia. When did you realize there was power in your race? Okay, this is weird. <laughs> when I was when I was a little kid, this thing happened that really sucked. Where my dad got pulled over by a cop and he didn't even think that I was my dad's child, which was really intense. And he was being horrible to my dad. But, you know, I was only like four and I, I was like, I interpreted it as my dad being so powerful 
that this guy was like so intimidated by him. I felt like he was terrified of my dad because my dad was so powerful that he had to like be so horrible. And I was like, oh, it's, I was like, it's the blackness. Like it's, it's like our indigeneity. It's like, I just felt it. I was like, this is something that is intergenerational. I obviously didn't have those words when I was poor, but that is the thing that I was feeling in that moment. I was like, that's weird. I was like, you're so, I was like, dad, you're so cool. And like, so fun. Like, I thought it was silly and scary, but I knew that he was so powerful. And that was probably my first awareness of that because, you know, obviously you're forced to unconsensually look through a racialized lens and then you take the power back or you don't, you lose it or you use it. <laughs> and it's, it's super like existential and meta. <laughs> and sometimes it's super like in your face. And that was that moment for me. That was Takia Reed from the band Divide and Dissolve on when she realized there was power in her race. Sarah, thank you for holding space for that convo. Those chats about friendship are, you know, being had in such a way that we, we rarely kind of have. We really think that deeply about friendship and the way that they're transformative mm. and that they demonstrate care for, for that we have for each other. Like, it's, it's really amazing to hear that. Yeah, it really made me think... Um a bit more deeper about like the people in my life and um how much um you know we nourish relationships when we can feel that they're good for us and um when you have an awareness about that as well I'm just like it 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 fills you up and you're just and there's a there's a there's a peace in knowing that you have um also friendships in your life that I feel don't um I like it, it's really hard to find friends I feel that aren't emotionally demanding either like you know when you have to I was been thinking a lot today about that chat and um how the um that separation I guess in your um those chapters of your life and that age bracket between your like teens to 20s and to your 30s and that and who's who leaves and who stays um and when you get to that point of recognizing how the you know those those healthier relationships are the ones that don't demand that allow you to exist as you Mm. yeah how about you what are your thoughts around all of that oh back that 100 percent, and it's something that we've talked on the show i feel like a few times but especially in the context of this um of this chat and i'm also thinking about our episode last week with anak bayan um sydney and the ways that, you know, this is an activist group, but they're also friends and like to hear them speak to each other um, in a way where there's this like tacit, powerful, underlying understanding and like just unconditional um, support and um, like empowerment that they feel when they speak to these things together um, about, you know, 
shared and collective um, experiences of trauma, but also resilience and um, solidarity. Like that is a mode of friendship that I feel like, you know, if you're lucky, you get early, but definitely comes with time Mm -hmm. and trial and error and finding out what your priorities are and seeing how they align with other people. And then, you know, a divide and dissolve to put that into art. I mean, that's the dream. That's the dream. It is a literal dream. I I do have to say, though, to get like all like sloppy and chummy or whatever, when Takiya was talking about that, like dynamic that they share in that creative space of divide and dissolve, all I could think about was you and me. I guess what we do is like... I was like, every time she kept talking about it, I was like, oh my God, me and Darren, me and Darren. (laughs) Uh, But a little bit more meaner. (laughs) A little bit, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And we got a lot of love, but then we're also... low-key bully each other from time to time but it's always like it's called tough love it's also it's also like we align when that happens <laughs> exactly we're in sync in that way is that we're toxic no that's it. toxic but in sync <laughs> but yeah no i was definitely um reflecting a lot of my own yeah spaces and that and that was like the first thing that came to mind was like you and i and you know what we get to do each week on this um on this platform so yeah it was a it's a beautiful um chat and it really yeah made things um she really made um me think about joyful moments for me and she really highlighted that in the chat too i feel that is all for race matters this week though i'm sada khan I'm Daniel Sargas. Thank you to Takia Reed from Divide and Dissolve for joining us. They will be playing at Carriage Works as part of Sydney's Vivid Festival on June the 3rd. All details for that show are in our show notes. Race matters. 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 Race matters.